I am so excited to be able to share this message with you. I, we have been talking a lot about lament psalms up until last week, and this is not a lament, and so I am thankful to not preach on a sad lament psalm. This is a little somber, but it also is hopeful. So I am so great. And this, by the way, if I were to pick a psalm that I know really well in Scripture, this would be my favorite psalm. I love Psalm 46. So it is awesome that I get to be the one who brings this message to you. I'm grateful for that. So let's pray. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for Psalm 46. We thank you, Lord, for missing the message that you brought to us in song this morning that points us to your word, that points us right here to Psalm 46, to what you were going to tell us this morning. God, help me, Lord, to be the messenger that you want me to be, that you would speak through me, Lord, and that we would have open hearts and open minds to hear what it is that you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Fear. It's an emotion that all of us have felt at one time or another. Fear takes many forms and comes from many sources. Some of us fear standing in front of people and giving a speech or a sermon. Some fear heights or closed-in places. Some fear death, mainly because we don't know what's going to happen after we die, whether we'll go be with Jesus in heaven or whether we'll spend eternity in hell because we feel like we've been a rotten person all of our life and we don't know how to jump from that to heaven. We'll take care of that this morning. You will know by the end of today, if you are one of those people who aren't sure where you are with the Lord, you will know by the end of this day. I promise you that. Some fear walking or waking up in the morning and having to face a new day because of the pain and the wonder that we have. Wonder based on whether... I can open the front door and go outside because my anxiety keeps me from feeling like I can do that. Or whether I can beat the enemy of my addiction who's crouching at my door, wanting me to fail. Will I get through this day? Will this be a good day for me today? Some of us fear darkness. Some of us fear failure. Some of us fear missing expectations for others. Some of us fear an impending deadline that we might have at work that we're in fear of missing. Fear comes from many places deep inside of us. So what is fear? How do we define fear? Well, dictionary.com, it defines fear in a couple different ways. One, if it's used as a noun, it defines it as this, a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc., whether the threat is real or imagined, the feeling or condition of being afraid. If it's used as a verb, it simply means to feel apprehensive or uneasy. Wherever it comes from or whatever it is, it is a real emotion that can have a power on us, that it can paralyze us from doing the things that we need to do or even the things that we want to do because we're afraid of what's going to happen if we do them. Fear. 
It is a four-letter word with a lot of power behind it. We see fear as a negative response, a bad emotion, and we wish and we pray that we wouldn't have to deal with fear. We admire people who conquer things that we're afraid of. Fear can be sinful because if it causes us to disobey God when he calls us to do something, then it becomes sin because we let fear overtake our obedience to the Lord. So as we look today at Psalm 46, we're going to get an overview of what the Lord says about fear and whether we as Christians should ever be afraid, ever. And as we break down this psalm, we'll see that there's three things that will help us address this. In verses 1 through 3, we'll see that God's presence is our refuge and strength during uncertain times. Then in verses 4 through 7, that God's presence is in our midst in difficulties. And then in verses 8 through 11, we'll see that God's presence is our peace on earth. So as we walk through Psalm 46 together, I, I want you to ask these two questions of yourself. The first one is, is how can I apply the truth of what God says about himself through Psalm 46 to my situation and my own fears? How can this psalm help me grow in my faith in him? Let's read Psalm 46 together. Starting in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Salah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We see right away in our first three verses our first point, which is that God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in times of trouble. When we look at these first three verses again, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. This psalm is, you can look at the top of the psalm in your Bible and you can see that it was written by the sons of Korah. And this was written as a reminder to the nation of Israel that God is dwelling with him in the city of God. And the city of God for them is Jerusalem. The people of Israel took great comfort in this because they faced so many enemies around them they were trying to destroy them. 
Again, like a lot of the Psalms, we don't know exactly what or when it was written for and what time it was written in. And this Psalm, along with Psalm 23, is one of the favorite Psalms in church history. In fact, Psalm 46.1 inspired Martin Luther to write that great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We think of this as a peaceful psalm, a psalm of comfort, especially when we dwell on verse 10 that says, Be still and know that I am God. There is so much more that leads up to that verse, and I hope that we see that that is going to be an important verse that we get to it, but it builds up to get to that point. And it's really the first three verses in this psalm that set the tone for the whole thing. And they're very simple to break down. Starting in verse 1, this is what I want to call our truth key to the psalm to help us understand what Psalm 46 is really all about. The first verse, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. This is the key that unlocks the rest of the psalm and everything underneath it flows because of this truth right here. And then in verse 2 we get our expected response to that truth. Therefore, we will not fear. And the rest of verses 2 and 3 give us examples and we should not fear. And it lists four things. And in the ESV, it's really easy to break them down because there's a connecting word, though, before each one of them. And the first one is that though the earth gives way. Number two is though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Three is though its waters roar and foam. And four, finally, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. We see from the first three verses that God's presence, his ever-present self, protects us through all kinds of uncertainty. And the people of Israel saw this psalm, and, and they took great comfort in it because they went through all kinds of difficult times. God's presence was always with them as it is with us, Think of it like when you were a kid and there was a thunderstorm outside, booming thunder, raging lightning, sky was lit up, and it scared you as a kid because you didn't understand what the power of this storm was and that really it couldn't come in and hurt you. So you found your mom and your dad and you jumped into their lap or in their bed and you took comfort in them knowing that they were ever present in the trouble of the storm. That's what it's like in the psalm. This is what God is trying to tell us here about himself. Deuteronomy 4.7 says this, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call on him? The problem is that we often don't call on him. and We try to deal with our problems on our own. And we fail time and time again. And we wonder, where is he? Psalm 9.9 says this, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. But God is our stronghold when we face trials and troubles of every kind. He promises to never forsake those who put their faith and trust in him. If we put our faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, 
If we put our faith and trust in him alone, we move from that darkness to light, and he becomes our strength, our fortress, our ever-present help in times of trouble. These four calamities in verses 2 and 3, they are examples and events of things that happen to us and how God is there with us as our protector. When the earth quakes around us, either metaphorically or in reality, God is there. When a relationship falls apart, when we lose a loved one, when we get bad news from the doctor, when we hurt someone intentionally or unintentionally, and it hurts us that we could do such a thing. These things that rock our world, and it seems like the earth is just melting away underneath us, falling apart. And even as we see in the second part of verse 2, God is there. He is our refuge and our strength, even though it feels like the mountains are falling into the sea. Verse 3 gives us a picture of a flash flood where waters are just roaring uncontrollably to the point that they foam. And you can hear the noise and the incredible sound of the raging torrents of water as they rush past you. You sense this when the addiction demons scream in your head to give in. Feed the monster. You can hear the noise when you have a deadline you cannot meet. When the dawn awakens and you fear and anxiety will not let you step out of the bed today. God is there as your refuge and strength, even though it feels as if the mountains will quake from the deafening roar of the raging deluge around you. The writers of the psalm felt the same way at times and wrote the psalm as a comfort to themselves to remind them of God's ever-present help in times of trouble that they need not fear because God was always there. Doesn't this give us comfort too? Doesn't this help us in times of our trouble? We look around today and we see all kinds of trouble around us. We can't turn on the news, read the paper, go on the internet, anywhere, and we just see chaos wherever we look. We feel like we're alone, sometimes dreading what the day is going to bring to us because of all the news that we hear. But it asks the question then, are there times when being fearful is appropriate? Now fear is a normal emotion and a reaction to things that happen to us and around us. Fear can keep us from doing something really stupid and rash. And it can protect us from doing something too quickly. It gives us caution. And that's a good thing. There's the fight or flight mechanism that God has put into us. It can make us cautious. It can be good when it is appropriate. Irrational, paralyzing fear, that is not a good fear. That is a fear that needs a lot of prayer, and it needs a reminder of the psalm that God is with us. Some of us are nervous about the election that's coming up in November and what that's going to do to us financially and spiritually in this country. But God is in charge of even that. Some of us wonder what this COVID thing is going to do. Is it ever going to go away? And even though in the valley we haven't really seen a lot of it yet, 
the regulations and the things that are going on, they still affect us. And those who have businesses wonder, what is that going to do to our business? How is that going to affect our employees? You wonder if I go to the store and I'm not wearing my mask, am I going to get sick? But then if I wear my mask, are people going to make fun of me? But God is in control of that too. He's in control of the pandemic that is around us. The point of this psalm is to show us and provide us the way to overcome our fears and to put our trust in our God. Much the same way as the nation of Israel had to do when they dealt with the troubles that were around them, when nations were warring against them and trying to destroy them. And even today you see that. There are countries out there even today that don't think that the nation of Israel should exist. This psalm, as one commentator said, was a reminder to them that the Lord was with them when He was shaking up the world around them. Their ever-present help in times of trouble. The next question that this brings up is, are there things that we should fear? Well, Proverbs 1.7 tells us that we should fear the Lord. That fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or knowledge, depending on which translation you have. Fearing God is a good thing. But it shouldn't cause us to have a paralyzing, terrifying fear that keeps us from moving forward. Fearing God is, is a reverent fear. That when He asks us to do something, like to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, then we should do that. When He tells us to love others more than we love ourselves or like we love ourselves, we should be obedient in that. We should not be afraid to do those things that God asks us to do. So then I ask you, should we fear? No. We will not fear. Why should we not fear? Because God is our refuge and strength. He is our ever-present help in trouble. He is where we run to and we get shelter from the storm when things are raging around us. And then we come to the pause, Salah, which means to reflect, to take a moment and let that sink in, that truth sink in. That there is no need to fear. And I'm going to repeat this a lot today because God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. I hope by the end of today that if you get nothing else out of that, you will know verse 1 of Psalm 46 by heart because I'm going to repeat it all morning long. Because that's our truth key, that God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. And as we move into the next section, we'll, we come to our second point that God is in our midst when we look at verses 4 through 7. Let's read those together. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. Verses 4 through 7 tell us that no matter the chaos that is going on around us, no matter what is falling apart, no matter what is happening, God remains 
in his dwelling place. And we can count on that. For the nation of Israel, at the time of this writing, that meant that God was in Zion, the city of God, Jerusalem. And for us, God is forever with the believer. Those of us who have put our faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone, by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And the Father is in heaven on His throne. And at His right hand is Jesus Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit who is praying on our behalf to both of them. It's a beautiful picture of the unity of the Trinity. God in His place, always. And then we look over at verse 4. We move to verse 4 and we see that the writer uses a different name for God. And this is always a cool thing to study, the names of God. And in this particular one, he uses the word Elyon. Elyon which means God, the most high God, the elevated God, the most high on his dwelling place who lives elevated above his people. It is a beautiful description of our God. Elion is dwelling with his people. Our supreme elevated God is with his lowly people, the sinners chosen by him for salvation. That is so reassuring for us, at least I hope so, that when the chaos is around us, Elion is with us. We need not fear. When we read these verses again with the knowledge that we just have, that we talked about, it should give us a great sense of contentment and joy. Let's read 5 through 8 again. That God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is in the midst of his bride. That is why the writer uses feminine terminology to describe his people. Isaiah 54, 5 says this, for you, excuse me, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. He is there to protect his beauty. He is there to protect his love and his joy. And we as the church, we are also called his bride. Ephesians 5, 25-27 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And that is why we should find comfort in our God. Because we are his precious bride, whom he will protect at all costs. In fact, to protect her, he went to the cross. He shed his blood. He shed his blood to cleanse us from our sins, to make us pure and without a blemish. Jesus Christ gave his life for his bride. And husbands... I want you to take note of that when you read these verses. That's how much you're to love your wife. I know that a lot of times when you read that section, and I don't want to go off on a bunny trail, we get hung up on 
wives submit to your husbands. I'm telling you, as a husband of 30-some years, four, I think, right, that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and that means giving up your life for her. <laughs> yeah, I think we have it harder. And then in verse 7, the writer uses yet another name for I'm sure that I am going to get feedback for that last statement. I'm sure of it. And then in verse 7, the writer uses yet another name for our God, the Lord of hosts. This time it's Jehovah Zaba, the Lord of the whole creation, the Lord of battle, the Lord of war. He is our fortress, our safe place. He is our defense against our enemies. Excuse me, our enemies. Verses four through seven again spell out the truth, the key, the, the truth key that we have in verse one: that God is our refuge and strength, and our very present help in trouble. And our response should be that we will not fear. You might have seen homes or heard of homes that are built and they have a panic room in them. A panic room being a room that people can run to when an intruder comes in and they can hide. But with God, we do not run into a panic room. We run into a safe place where he is on the high ground protecting us, his bride, his love forever. There is no panic. There is no fear. There is protection. No matter what rages around us, God is in his dwelling place. And we run to him when we need him every second that we get. And if you're facing that moment of truth to give in, to crumble, to fear, with all the stuff that's going around you, the voices raging in your head, run, run to him. Do not hesitate. Run to the Lord, for he is there and he is waiting for you. We come to another place of pause, of salah, a moment to reflect and to rest before we get to our third point, that third point that we find that God is our peace, where we come to that great verse, verse 10. Let's read verses 8 through 11 together. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth, he makes war cease to the, ends of the, to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. And in these last three verses, the writer invites us, the reader, to come into the place where God is making peace out of chaos. And he's making peace three ways. All of them are found in verse 9. And the first one is that he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. The second one is that he breaks the bow and the spear. And the third one is that he burns the chariots with fire. A lot of times, maybe most of the time, and Maybe we can be honest and say all of the time, we think we are the ones who win the wars. We are the ones who take down our enemies, their weapons, and destroy their war machines. Our leaders even stand and 
news conferences and pat themselves on the back and talk about how wonderful their strategy was and their cunning. And not that those things aren't important, because they are, but God is the one who gives them to them. Even the nation of Israel knew that this was false, that it was God who won the battles, and it was God who decided when the wars ceased. So even when we face the battles that God gives us, and we personalize them like we have throughout the psalm today, we try and try and try, but it is God who wins the battles for us. On our own, we just find defeat. The enemy is the war against us that we try to fight on our own. Addiction, anxiety, depression, physical pain, deep emotional hurt. We fight, we fight, we fight, and we lose, we lose, we lose. And we lose because the battle is not ours to fight alone. In fact, these battles belong to the Lord. Now I want to be clear about something. I'm not promising a quick victory over any of the battles that we face. Some of us face real pain. We face real depression. We face real addictions that are hard. And it's a day-by-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute battle and all of these things. But when we look at verse 10, God tells us what to do in the wars that we face around us and in us. He says, be still and know that I am God. That I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. This is a command by our Lord. This is not a suggestion. Our Lord is telling us to stand down and rest. The New American Standard Bible says, cease striving. It can mean relax and let go. God is commanding us to stop and watch Him work like verse 8 invites us to do. Come, behold the works of the Lord. This is a command to put God back on the throne. Take yourself off the throne. Let's read the second half of verse 10 again. God says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Nowhere does it say that you and I will be exalted. God will be exalted alone. And really it makes sense because he's the one who created all things. We didn't create anything. He is the one to be lifted high. He is Elyon. Our job is to rest in him. To rest in the truth key of verse 1, that he is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we need not fear. Relax. Let go. Let the Lord of hosts fight the battle. Trust in Him. That's what He commands of His bride, to trust Him. Betsy Witt sent this text to a friend of hers that was dealing with a really difficult issue this week. And she gave me permission to share it with you this morning. So I'm going to read this text that Betsy gave 
It's a beautiful text. She says, for anxiety, I recommend sitting with Psalm 46, especially the first part of verse 10. It is a call to see the Lord's power and might, his action in favor of those he has chosen as his own. Verse 10 starts with the well-known, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. When I find my mind endlessly running down the paths of possibilities, this is one of the most effective reminders to stop. Be still. Remind yourself that he is God, and he is very, very good. He is faithful and trustworthy, and you can rely on his understanding even when you don't understand. So where do we take this from here? I want us to review the psalm, the things that we've learned today. That God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Again, I hope you have that memorized by now. I think I may have mentioned that like 15 times. Therefore, we will not fear. There is no need to be disobedient to what God calls us to do. Why? Because the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So be still. Rest. Get peace and know that he is God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we can put our faith and trust in you and you alone. That you are our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. That we need not fear. In fact, we will not fear, Lord, because we are in your dwelling place, because you are with us all the time. God, if there was someone here today who doesn't know you, who doesn't know that peace, who has not given their life to you, I pray that today would be the day, Lord. And if you are there listening to this prayer and you do not know what to do, I pray that you come and see me or Matt this morning or anyone else who is here on a regular basis that can help you find out how to give your life to Christ so that you can answer the question, am I with him? Or am I not with him? Will I go to heaven or will I not go to heaven? Lord, help us in our times of trouble to remember that you are our peace and that we are your bride and you will protect us in all ways. In your name, amen.